Jesus prayed for his disciples, saying, I've made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you've given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I've given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I've been glorified in them. And now I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please pray with me. Lord God, we pray that you might fall powerfully upon us this morning, that your spirit might ignite our hearts with a deep and abiding love for you. We pray that you might speak to us today, Lord. Place your words in my mouth, and we pray that you might touch our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's so good to see you all this morning. Well, I am proud to tell you that I have crossed one of the items off my bucket list for my life. Right, I figure I'm getting up there in age, and I might as well start doing that because I don't know, you know, I'm getting, I'm 35 now, right? You know, I don't know how much longer I got, so I wanted to take one of those items off, right? And that item that was on my list, which I'm sure is on all of your lists as well, is learning how to weld, (laughs) right? I mean, it's just one of those life experiences that we all need to have. And so this is my first piece that I ever worked on. Right, it's a piece of scrap metal, and I learned how to like get the angle right and, and the, the speed right and the distance right from my workpiece, and and it's beautiful, <laughs> right? Or at least for me, it is. I see this, and I can see my progression and my growth in it. Um, 
but also I can see what an awesome process welding is. You know, because I love working on my old cars, right? And something's always falling off of them. And there's only so many holes and bolts you can use to attach things to your vehicles, right? Eventually, you need to find a way to bond things permanently. And that's what welding is for me. Welding has now just opened up new vistas in my life that I never thought existed. I mean, that's what you think of when you think of welding, isn't it? Absolutely, it's just a door opener. But welding is a violent process, right? Because what is welding doing? Melting metal, right? Uh, What you're doing is you're forming this, like, puddle of liquid metal in between the two pieces of work. And you are actually melting those two edges together so that they become one piece. Well, one piece of metal, which is at least as strong as the the metal that surrounds them. It's really an amazing process. (coughs) But the metal goes through a tough process in the midst of it, right? It's not easy for the metal. You can see this one is kind of bowed like this. That's because the heat has caused this to curl up. This thick piece of metal, that welding did that. It's not easy for that metal because it has to get heated to some, in some processes, 3,100 degrees Celsius, which, I don't know, is something hotter than Sacramento in the summer. (laughs) Right? A little bit hotter. But it's incredible, right? This welding process does amazing things to the metal and joins it together. But it also, as I found out the other day, does interesting things if your metal has been painted or has, like, oil on it. Anyone know what that does? It kind of flames and smokes and stinks, right? It was cool. I was building this roll cage for my Land Cruiser for the back to protect our kids when we go off-roading. And one end of it had, like, smoke coming out of it, like a giant dirty hairy gun or something. It was awesome. But it didn't smell so nice in my nostrils, right? What welding did, though, is it burned the impurities off of that bonded, bonded surface so that the two metals could be joined together. And that's what temperature does, right? It purifies. It cleanses. Now, something like that, I think, is going on in our gospel passage for today. Uh, we have a passage, of course, from the Gospel of John. We have uh, here Jesus' prayer for his disciples at the Last Supper, right before he and his disciples were going to leave this amazing feast where Jesus had washed their feet and fed them and nourished them, and then they were going to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was going to be betrayed, arrested, uh, and then eventually put to trial and crucified. This passage is the culmination of this beautiful meal together. And in Jesus' prayer, we see several things happen. First of all, he makes it clear in his prayer that he has been faithful to the Father and that he has given his disciples the message of salvation that he was sent to give and that they, the disciples, have received it. He then prays for their protection from hardship and from the evil one. And then he closes this prayer with a discourse on sanctification. Now, let's talk about this thing we call sanctification. Anyone know what it is? Set apart, that's right. Uh, Being made holy. Uh, And holy is being set apart as well. It's the same root word as we use for saint or sanctuary. It's a thing that is set apart and made holy. It speaks of the process of growing in holiness. Sanctified is completion. Sanctification is the process. The way Jesus frames this discussion of sanctification is significant in this passage. 
Because remember at the beginning of it, he begins with speaking about how he was faithful to deliver the message that the Father asked him to forget, to deliver, and that the disciples received it. Faith in Jesus Christ is the starting point. That's where this passage starts. That's where the process starts as well in our lives. Then we see that Jesus prayed for his disciples to have protection from the evil one. Uh, if you know the pattern of this Last Supper, right, immediately they go out from there and they begin to experience persecution and hardship. They begin to experience difficulty in their Christian lives. The disciples were soon to find out that conflict and challenge would be a never-ending part of the Christian life. Then Jesus moves after this into this discussion of sanctification. Now, I think the steps of this process are critical to our understanding of what sanctification is, right? It's faith, challenge, then sanctification. This is the way it works. It's through faith or failure of faith and then a return to faith in the midst of challenge that we come to a place where we are made to look more like Jesus. And that is what the process of sanctification is, is looking more like Jesus each and every day. Not growing long hair and a beard, wearing around robes and sandals. Not that looking like Jesus, right? But the real looking like Jesus. In that when you respond to something in your life, a difficulty, a challenge, a blessing, you respond in the way that Jesus would respond if he were there. Sanctification takes place, according to this passage, in the difficult times in life. Because it's in the midst of of hardness that our weaknesses are exposed, isn't it? Like, just like everything in life, like you pull on a rope, like if a rope's sitting on the ground, it can look nice and strong, but you put tension on it, and that's when weaknesses or frays are seen. That's when they become visible. So when our weaknesses are exposed, we then have a choice. And our choice is either we can turn to God or we can turn to ourselves. Sanctification is the process of turning to God in the midst of blessings and challenges. But I'll tell you one thing. I hate sanctification. Okay, I'll just be totally honest with you, right? Um, the other day I was running, right? And as I was running, I was going up a hill. And as I was running up that hill, I was thinking, I hate running. Right? Anyone ever had that feeling before? Right? It felt like someone was pouring lava down my throat. Right, my lungs were just like burning and hurting. My legs hurt. My feet were sore. I was sweating. It was hot. I hated it. Hated the process of running. But when I got home, cooled down, stretched out, how do you think I felt? I felt good, right? I felt refreshed. I felt like I had more energy than before I had set out. I felt good. I was like, yeah, I look pretty good. You know, I feel strong. I felt my heart like, you know, it felt like it was working right. Sanctification is like that, right? It's like those runs. You might not like the challenge, the pain, the suffering part of it, but the fruit of it, the other side of it, is where we see the beautiful growth of God. I wish that fitness and sanctification took place with donuts on the couch. <laughs> right? That would be a lot easier for me. I think that would fit my temperament much better. But that's not how it works. Good things in life take difficulty and challenge and endurance but it's significant for us to understand how sanctification is expressed in this passage 
Jesus says to the Father, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. So who is the operator? Who is the one who is bringing about the sanctification according to this statement? God. That's right. Because it says, sanctify them in the truth. It doesn't say, disciples, make sure you pick yourself up by your bootstraps and be good people so you can be sanctified. It says, sanctify them in the truth. Jesus knew that sanctification required the Father doing the work inside of us. It was not something you or I could muster up or do on our own. God does the work. He is the one that makes us holy. And that process of being made holy is a process of continually returning to the cross. It's a process of dying to ourselves and living to Christ. The process of sanctification is really not that different than the process of coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's just that that same event lived out over and over again in our lives, where we commit more and more of ourselves to Jesus Christ, where we turn over more and more control and trust him more and more that he is the good shepherd who is watching out for us and protecting us. Because there's a real danger in sanctification, right? The danger is that we will begin to think that we are the ones who are making ourselves holy by doing the right things and earning God's love. This would never happen to us, though, would it? Unfortunately, the church has a long love affair with this form of sanctification, right? The church for a long time, and probably every Christian, has wrestled with this. Am I doing this because I am trying to earn the love of God? Or am I doing this because God loves me and I love him in return? What is my motivation in my action? Because Christianity goes much deeper than just saying it matters what than, than just the action itself. God sees the heart, and he's looking to see why we're doing things. Are we doing the right thing because we're trying to justify ourselves and put ourselves on the throne? Or are we doing the righteous thing because God's spirit is working inside of us and bringing about that righteous action? The motivation makes all the difference in the world. We want so badly to prove that we're worthy of God's love, to prove that we're good enough to be saved, to prove that, um, that he made a good choice in choosing us. We want so badly to show him that. But every time we do that, we are supplanting his natural role on the throne of our lives and putting ourselves on that throne instead and saying, God, I know the way I should be saved. And that way is according to what I want to do and how I want to do it. We call this self-justification, self-sanctification. And they're really only synonyms for sin. Our responsibility in sanctification is to turn to God and stand with him in strength as we turn over our weaknesses to him and as he makes us holy. It's important for us to understand sanctification. Because do we ever face hardship in life? Any of you ever heard of hardship before? Or maybe somebody who had a hard time? Right? All of us, almost daily, experience some form of trial or tribulation. 
we experience some challenge, some difficulty that causes us to realize how insufficient we are. And in those moments, we have a choice. That is our one role in sanctification, is this choice. The choice of whether to try to do it through our own strength and just do the right thing and go with it that way, or the choice to turn to God and commit ourselves to him that he might complete his good work in us. If we're able to do that, to turn to God in those challenging times, it's one of the ways that God redeems hard times in our lives. It's one of the ways he takes the junk that we experience because we're a part of this fallen world, and he makes something holy out of it. He can use those rough times to bring us close to him if we will only allow him. Now, in the welding process, the heat is so important, right? The heat is the critical factor. If I were to hold these two pieces of metal together and just push them real hard with no welding and no heat, would that work? No, I mean, they might balance there for a second, but you would be able to see immediately that I've done nothing to change it. The heat is essential because the heat causes the metal to melt down deep inside and to bond together and to burn off the impurities and the things that would get in the way of making a perfect bond. That's the same with our lives. The challenges that we face in our life can cause that gospel message of redemption in Jesus Christ to burn deep inside of our hearts, to burn deeper than it's ever burned before. And if we will let God, if we will turn ourselves to him in those moments, he will form a bond inside of us with him that cannot be broken. He will burn off those impurities and that brokenness in our lives so that we can worship him and follow him in holiness and in truth. If only we will let him. My prayer for us as individuals and as a congregation is that we will be people who allow God to burn down deep inside of us and to bond us to himself so that this process of sanctification can draw us to him and so that we can love him with our heart, soul, and mind and be the people who he calls us to be in this world, that our lives can be testimony to a God who saves. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you use heat and pressure and pain, Lord God, to bring us to you. Help us, Lord, in the midst of these times to turn ourselves over to you, to trust you, to allow you to do your good work in our lives, Lord God. We know that just living in this world, we will experience hardship and pain. Lord, help those trials Help us in the midst of those trials to turn to you, Lord God, so that you might sanctify us, that you might redeem those times. And we pray, Lord God, that in your grace, you would help us to grow more and more into the image and stature of our Lord Jesus Christ. And and it is in his name that we pray. Amen.